Hi, beer friends. Welcome back to Brews with Broads. I'm your host, Hannah Keim. This week, I am so thrilled to welcome Maria Cabré to the podcast. Maria started on the team at Jay Wakefield Brewing in Miami in 2014, even before the tap room officially opened. She went from washing kegs, manually, mind you, to processing beer for the tap room, to being the head brewer, and now she's mostly hung up her boots in favor of directing brewery operations, distribution, and planning their annual Wakefest Festival. Oh, did I mention she's also a trained, experienced pastry chef and a mom? I loved hearing about Maria's experience translating her fine dining kitchen experience into her time in the brewery. How much John, the founder of Jay Wakefield, believed in her and supported her, and of course, how much her belief in herself has helped her along the way. As I mentioned to Maria in our chat, my technology and I were not getting along last week. I'm talking haunted keyboard, everything on the fritz. So I want to thank you all for your patience with me in getting this episode out and for your understanding that the audio quality leaves a lot, I mean a lot, to be desired, okay? But I think it's okay because Maria's brilliance outshines any pesky computer problems or noise interference issues one could ever have. I think you'll agree with me. Enjoy. Maria Cabré, welcome to Bruise with Frogs. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You are in, I'm seeing the Jay Wakefield tap room yes. in the background. Yeah, there's Darth Vader. There's cartoons or comic books or whatever on the TV. There are Legos, figureheads. I mean, this is like a nerd's paradise. I've never been, and I'm like embarrassed about that. But you know, I gotta come down to Florida. Well, we're we were working with some technical difficulties, as I told you before we started. I did spill like a tablespoon of water on my keyboard, not even yesterday, and it's freaking out. It's going into like caps locks. I don't know. It's haunted. So I just thought it was hilarious because you're like, I'm so sorry, I'm yelling at you. I know it's so fun, like. I took it to the genius bar yesterday and the guy was so nice and was like, you know, I think it's okay. Like, it's just this one shift key. The other one's fine. Anyway, my computer's haunted and we're on Zoom and it's all good. But I see that you're drinking a beer. Will you tell me what you're drinking? I am drinking Project Blackwing, which is a hazy IPA that we did with Beer Zombies. Um, And it's super juicy and fruity. And not at all like overly hoppy and green and stuff. I can't do like overly bitter, but I don't really, I don't really drink a lot of beer anymore. Like I drink five ounce pours or I'll drink a lager, but like this is very good. Yeah, we're we're working with a full like 12 ounce glass right there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, the more I've like actually started to work day-to-day in beer the more I've kind of become that way too and I just want just a little bit well I in the interest of tradition to crack a can this is from Wilmington Brew Works in Wilmington Delaware brought to me by my friend Ashley shout out to Ashley it's called Crouch's Creation it's a Hellas Lager so I'm going to crack it on the mic and then I'm going to listen to you just talk about your life okay all right right, here we go my nails I'm trying to preserve them okay here we go myself in the face a little bit okay cheers nice cheers. so as the listeners may or probably i hope know or they're about to know 
you are Jay Wakefield Queen, head of director of brewery operations and head of brewing. Is that your what's your official title? So uh, recently, I gave up my title of head brewer um, because we hired a great guy. Um, he's a native of Miami, but he moved to New York, worked at KCBC, super talented. Um, his name is Dan. Um, and I just had to focus on a bunch of other things, you know, aside from running the operations day to day. I do all the distro and I also plan Wakefest. So that's enough for me to do. That's a full plate. Um, and we're going to get into that. But I want to know a little bit or a lot as much as you want to tell me about your life pre-beer. Like you grew up, you grew up in Miami. Is that right? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I was born and raised in Miami uh, to Latino parents. Um, my mom is Puerto Rican, though, so, you know, we did when they came to this country because they lived in Venezuela before moving here. Um, it was still a struggle for them, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I was born a few months after they moved. And I've been here all my life. The only time I left was when I moved to New York for a year to work in kitchens. Um, very early on, I knew I wanted to be a pastry chef, uh, having a, a mother that's a minority was like, no way you need to study business. You need to study business. Like there's no way you're going to get paid shit, you know, working in a kitchen, they're going to treat you like shit. It's all male dominated. And I was like, well, mom, you work in a male dominated industry too. Like what are we talking about here? Um, but anyway, uh, later on. At about 22 years old, I finally went to pastry school. Um, and I did that for a while, uh, for a long time. I, I loved it. I worked at some of the most iconic uh, hotels in Miami um, and then moved up to New York with my then boyfriend, now husband. Um, and we were there for about a year. And then I found out I was pregnant and I was like, there's no way I'm having a kid in New York. <laughs> so we came back to be with family. Um, and I kept doing that for a while and then I wanted more of a day job and we really don't have bakeries. Now we do, but back then we didn't have bakeries like we do, um, in New York and, and just these staples, you know, we have Cuban bakeries, which you know not to them. Um, but it's not something that I, I thought would fit what I wanted to do. So I ended up meeting John, and that's when my brewing career started. Wow, I have so many like offshoot questions from that. Um, were you the focus was on pastry? Were you like into beer at all? How did like how did beer come into play? So recently, uh, a world of beer had opened up recently, obviously, back in like 2000. What year was that? Uh, I started in 14, I want to say in like 13. Mm -hmm. um, and I started going there with my husband and his friends. And, you know, I hit the 50 mark. I hit the 100 mark. Obviously not just me drinking, it was them as well. Um, and I was like, this is pretty cool. And obviously it wasn't like the full spectrum of craft beer. Uh, but my gateway beer was definitely uh, Hefeweizen, uh, more specifically Weinstefaner Hefeweizen. Um, and then from there, when I met John, he was still, the place wasn't open yet, and he was still home brewing, but he had been trading for God knows how many years. 
guys. So he just gave me cases of like, it was a random case, right? It would have like Penny Topper, it would have um, Good Lord Almighty with like double barrel Good Lord Almighty, uh, just some crazy shit. And I had no idea what that was, you know what I mean? I don't know what a whale is. I don't know what trading is at this point. So I just tried everything. How did you go from, I'm really excited about beer, this, all this beer you're bringing me and like having your mind open to like, I work in this and I'm running the brewing, like what, take me through kind of that process and even opening, opening the brewery itself. So, um, at the time I was working at the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach, at this time, John is still homebrewing, but he's like, look, I'm looking for good people to hire. So if, if you have a drive and a will and a want to learn, I'll teach you everything. I don't care. Um, and he's like, plus your background in pastry is going to be super helpful because, you know, look at these stouts that are coming out, look at how their flavors are. And this is before like the whole pastry stout term was even coined. So he just saw that I had this, this drive and this want and, and I worked my ass off to, to get there. And what was the process for you of opening the brewery like? So my first day was December 1st, 2014. Um, there was one other person working here at the time. And he was working in the back as well in production. Um, again, I didn't know anything. We had a keg washer that was not an automatic keg washer. So for anyone that's listening, if you've ever washed kegs on a manual keg washer, if you forget where you're at because it's so monotonous, you're just turning these valves open and closed. If you forget where you're at, you got to start the whole thing over. So, you know, and at the time I was making $10 an hour because we, we hadn't even opened up the top room yet. Uh, but John told me, you know, in three months, I'm going to put you in a position. I'm going to pay you this much. He's always kept his word with me. Uh, and yeah, I just kind of started asking questions. And then when we were finally, we had beer um, that I could treat. He was like, all right, you need to start doing this stuff. So then I would do all these different treatments to, to fill the top lines. And when we opened, we were only open Friday and Saturday and the place was just jam packed. So it was so cool to see. And beer has changed so much in these eight years that I've been in beer. This is like an industry I've never seen before today because I'm just like, okay, I guess we're going through a, a, a change here, but cool, you know? But you've seen like the, the consumers. Everything has changed. Everything has changed. I mean, it feels to me like you guys have been such a, like almost a driver of that change as far as setting trends maybe isn't the right word, but like driving forward on style and with, with Wakefest, like making yeah. it, making things your own in a really yeah. exciting way. Yeah. John is very much likes to set himself apart. Um, and, and, I'm all in on the vision and I believe in it as well. Cause if not, I wouldn't have been here this long. And the fact that he took a chance on me, you know, someone that didn't know anything and everything that I know as far as brewing goes is, is cause of him. So, you know, at the time you would see women like Lauren Salazar from New Belgium and you would see uh, Avery. I think Avery had just been getting into it because mm -hmm. she was in college um, for biology. 
but there weren't a lot of us. He was like, well, I don't give a shit if you're a man or a woman. Like, if you want to do this, I'm going to stand behind you 100% and support mm-hmm. you in this journey. You know, also having the support of my husband was huge. Because if you don't have that, the support of your, which at first, of course, my parents were like, what? What is the thing you do? Um, but that's, I mean, that's a huge part of my journey. The fact that these people believed in me and knew that I could do it. And then along the way, you had, you know, a, the owners of other hats, the owners of Trillium, the owners of vitamin C, like all these people constantly supporting me. So I never felt in any way, maybe, maybe there were instances with, with guys like in the back just being dicks, but I don't give a shit. Like I worked in a kitchen. Let me, let me know when you work in a kitchen and then we can talk. All of what you just said, like, again, so many offshoots. I mean, first of all, we could talk about the toxicity of kitchens that like we're all sort of taught. I've never worked in a kitchen, but like front of house for many years. And even just like a sprinkled taste of that is like, yeah, you have to have you have you develop a a thick skin pretty quickly, I think. Yeah, very thick. Uh-huh. Especially when the chef is like throwing plates at you and going, what the fuck are you doing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Great. Yeah. I love hearing about not only the support from like inside the brewery, but your, your community and your family. Like, obviously, like you said, that's without it, you can't do anything as far as like formal brewing training. Like, obviously you had formal culinary training. How did that help in your brewing training? I think if I could go back, I wouldn't have gone to pastry school Mm. right out of high school. I would have tried to go to a restaurant and work my ass off. Why? Because for, for these types of jobs, where it's this, that you have to have the experience on the equipment, on the line, on whatever, you can learn technique, right? You can learn like a recipe or, you know, to make a mother sauce or you can learn whatever it is. But if you don't have that hands-on experience and you're not constantly doing it in order to perfect that whatever school you went to it means nothing and this mm-hmm. was at the height of like everyone like oh my god I'm gonna go to pastry school I'm gonna go to culinary school and I'm gonna be a one-star Michelin chef because that's the shit that they used to sell to you to basically justify 40k in mm-hmm. schooling but John allowed me to homebrew with him a couple of times um so I kind of got that all green hands-on experience but it's still not the same as a, as a professional brew house you know um so I just think over time like the first time I brewed my first beer here John was on a trip I called him about 17 times just worried that yeah. oh my god did I open that valve did I do this did I do that did I mash in right did I and it was just crazy. But the more that I did it, the better I got at it. And that's what I would tell all the guys that I would train as well. Because there were three guys that came behind me that I call like my babies that are now off. One's at Holmes, one's at Cerebral, and the other one's at Grimm. You know, those are my babies. So to me, they like graduated and they went off to the real world. Um, but I tell them that all the time. I'm like, the experience and the practice that you're having it's it's gonna help you throughout your career if you stay in this career right the only way you can learn to not open a valve and like spill gallons of water all over the floor is honestly to do it and yeah. to be like well fuck 
or even hurt yourself like i tell yeah. any guy that can swim here i'm like listen i don't care how many times you've done it you could have done it seven thousand times you always double check your work because it could be a matter of life and death or you go into the emergency room for a burn or whatever so always check your work measure what is it measure twice cut once that's the saying that sounds right yeah i sometimes reverse it in my head and that's not right <laughs> You, that can happens all- to me often. <laughs> you can only cut once. Yeah. I'm just so excited by all of the roles that you filled at Jay Wakefield, like going from, like you said, with a manual keg washer. Can you take us through like step by step? Like, okay, first you were doing that. Then you're John's on a trip. You're oh, okay. Manual right. keg washer. I was doing treatments. So uh-huh. we had like a treatment department. So we wouldn't do full batches, but I take kegs and I treat them, you know, like Hofford Teachers, our core IPA, West Coast IPA. Um, and we'd add peaches to it. And then it was a peach West Coast IPA, you know, shit like that. So I did that for a while. And then um, I realized we don't have an automated uh, system. The brew house is not automated automated whatsoever. We manually mash in. It's a 15 barrel manual mash in. Um, so that shit's tough. And if you're in Miami, it's hot all the time. So, you know, I see John like sweating because, you know, you got to mash in. And then once you're done moderating, then you got to grain out. And then you got it, you know, and then you got to mill in and all this other, and you're just like, oh, that's a lot for one person. So I started helping out by milling in, and then I'd come up there and I'd be, I'd ask him questions and annoy the shit out of him, I'm sure, because it'd be seven in the morning and he's just like turning a paddle and I'm like, what are you doing? Are you doing it? Why is it so hot? Why is it this? Why is it that? You know, a million questions. So one day he was like, you turn the paddle. So I was like, all right whatever at first it's very hard because you kind of have to get the rhythm of of the mash on but you know went from that and then he was like all right assistant brewer and I was like okay cool meanwhile throughout this whole time I learned the cellar so I knew how to turn a tank I knew how to CIP you know I knew the keg um at the time we didn't have a canning line but cans weren't as big yet um, we were still with bottles. We do a lot of barrel-aged uh, imperial stouts and just regular imperial stouts, and our sours always went into 750s. Um, so I started that way, and then I just I kept proving myself. I got to brewer. Um, then we hired someone else to to help me out on the brew house because at that point it had been like three years in, and I was just like, okay, I'm tired. Like my body cannot take this for that long. Um, and then, you know, I've been on and off for the last maybe three and a half, so three and a half years on, three and a half years on and off, and then just recently, but I still help. Like the other day we mashed in Big Papa and I was like, let me jump up there. You know, I have the experience to mash that in because I've done it six times already or more than that, like 12 times. But there's always been a role for me here and growth, which I love always being challenged and never getting bored. Yeah, exactly. Was there ever like one moment that you can pinpoint where you were like, oh, I belong here. I've made it. Or was it cumulative? I think it was a few points, right? I think it was the first time I saw 
Wakefest that I had had such a heavy hand in planning was one of them because it's we plan it for like eight months. You know, we don't have an event company. We don't none of that. You know, I contact the breweries. John helps me out by like chasing after them after I do the initial contact. Um, you know, our distributors help us. Unfortunately, Florida's a three-tier system. So you have to go through a distributor, which sucks, but whatever. Um, but just seeing that first time when everyone like came in and I was just like, okay, like this is this is and that just feeling like an overwhelming feeling you see everyone having a great time that was awesome the first time that i got to get up on the brew house and brew at trillium and that was in 2018 that was a big one for me um and just feeling that constant support from people that you would never think would support you know uh because i used to get a lot of shit from women you know, uh, kind of excluded from like Pink Boots collaborations down here, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just like, listen, I, I've become harder than I was when I first started in this industry, just, just so I protected myself against whatever douchebag was trying to come at me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I've gotten a reputation for being a bitch, but I don't give a shit. Like if, if you want to meet me and you want to get to know me, then you'll know that I'm not, but whatever. I don't, I'll wear that crown proudly because my people that know me know who I am. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I kind of take, I take that. I could say a lot about that, but to your point, like if they're not on your team, then it doesn't matter what they think about right. you. Right. Right. 100%. If you feel comfortable talking about it quickly, do you have any thoughts on like why, you know, do we feel like it's like a ladder puller type of thing of people being like, I've made it and I don't want to extend help to anyone else? Or what is like, what sense do you get of being excluded by other women? I don't know, because it might just be like a Miami thing. And I hate saying that because I know a lot of very friendly and welcoming and supporting people within this industry in Miami specifically. Um, but it's like anytime anyone's come to me, especially a, a young woman starting in this career, in her career just early in beer, I'm like, listen, just keep your head down and fucking grind. Like, who cares about the other noise? And and the other thing I always say is, do not let this industry be what identify, like what makes you a human or a person or someone that not. Who cares? Because you know what? The shit can end tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then what? Who are you? Right. It's your you job. Know? Yeah. Right. Right. So right. make sure that you continue to have a life outside of that. And it's hard, right? Because we spend so many hours working. We spend, you know, our time off at festivals or at some other event trying to support someone else and whatever you know what? There's going to be other festivals that you go to. There's going to be other events that you see your friends at, like, mm -hmm. especially, and especially me, like I have a daughter and moms have a lot more pressure, whatever. I don't know if it's a female male thing. I really don't give a shit, but we always get a lot more pressure. Like, oh, you have to be a mom, but at the same time, you have to be a career and you have to be independent and you, 
all this stuff. So, you know, for me, it's important that I prioritize my child and my personal life. And I also keep very private. I don't know. I, I wish people supported more. I, I feel like there's a front sometimes on social media, but that's why like in person, I will, you know, if, if you're my people, we're always going to come together. We're always going to have a good time. We'll be able to relate on more levels than just you. I think those are all amazing points. And like social media isn't real life. And I think it's especially no. right as we try, like it can be so great. And like, I reached out to you via Instagram. Like, that wouldn't happen without that. But you're right that like, I think it's easy to think that everything on social media is real. And that is like, I put it on Instagram. So like, I believe it, but that's yeah. not, that's like a sliver of reality. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. I do want to hear about your experience as a mom in our industry. Um, just because like you said, I think uh, talk about like an underrepresented group you know, I like, do you ever get asked about your daughter? You know what I mean? So I get asked a lot about um, local events, especially, oh, you never go to local events. And I'm like, well, if I'm home, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be with my kid. Yeah. Because this sliver, this moment in time, I'm never going to get back with her. Mm -hmm. You know, she's going into middle school now. She's going to be 12 years old in September. So... The people that ask me, like, oh, why were you, oh, you don't support local, or you, you know, dude, give me a break. Right. Now, my other mom friends, like Amanda from Resident Culture, Esther from uh, Trillium, those, those are my people. Like, we talk about our kids, I'll text, you know, Esther and be like, you know, Sophie did this, what are you experiencing with Luke, you know? whatever I can reach out to them and I can ask for advice whereas like someone that's not a mom in this industry it's kind of hard to relate my outside life to them because I just spend so much time with my with my child yeah you know and my husband has his own business that he's running so he's taken up six days he works six days a week on the seventh day he goes in do admin stuff but like you know, who else is going to watch my kid? Yeah, I have my parents, but I'm letting them enjoy their retirement. They already raised three of us, mm-hmm. you know? So I get, yes, I do get questions about my kid because I have brought her into the brewery and she's even um, come on days, like a school days off and she's helped us can. And I get her involved because she likes doing it. But do I take her to fest or beer events down here? No, I don't want to expose her to that. I mean, yeah. I think it's amazing for her to be able to see, like any daughter to be able, any child to see what their parents do, but like. Specifically mom and daughter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my mom's a social worker, but like on take your daughter to work day, I always, I will always remember like seeing her in her element and seeing her yeah. do what she does and feeling like so proud. And so. Yeah. I like, think, damn, that's my mom. Yeah. Like, that's so my funny. mom. Yeah. Did you yeah. already, when you got into into beer, you had already had her. Is my math yeah, right? She was uh, four. She just turned four. So at the time, she didn't really know what was going on. But she started yeah. coming here. Like, she was young. But when she can remember, maybe like six or seven, she was, you know, helping me out with stuff. Yeah. Um. So she'll always remember this growing up. 
you know, yeah. being in this environment. Do you have any, anything you would say to either like a aspiring parent who like is in this industry and wants to have a kid, but maybe feels like, how am I going to balance it? It's a matter of prioritizing. Yes, this is my job. I love what I do. I love who I work for. I love where I work. Yeah. But at the same time, John, like John also has kids. So if you work for someone that isn't able to relate to knowing what those responsibilities are, and especially like his kids are all in like extracurricular stuff, they play a ton of sports and everything else. So, you know, some days I'm going to, I have to tell him, hey, I got to go pick her up early and I got to take her to practice or whatever. If you have an understanding owner or manager, then it makes it that much easier because they understand and they know that you're prioritizing what's important, your home life, Mm -hmm. which includes, you know, either your spouse or and your kid. But but don't make your life just about yeah. That's the best advice I can give. You can you can be passionate, and it does not have to be your whole entire life. Right. You don't have to live, breathe, bleed, fear. Yeah. I mean, I think passion leads people to feel that way, right? But also, like, like you've said, external pressures, like, well, I have to go to this festival and I have to do this thing, and like being led to believe that in order to reach the level of success that you want, you have to devote every single second, and like that's just not. It's not real. The case. It's not reality. It's not reality. You know, the last time I traveled, yes, we were in a pandemic, which from March 2020 to September of 2021, uh-huh. I did not travel. Right. However, in September, we went to Snally Gaster, and in November of 2021, we went to Pastry Town. But since November of 2021, I have not traveled because there's just there's too much here you know mm-hmm. i can't just rely on my husband and be like oh, i'm leaving bye you know you handle everything i can't do that mm-hmm. um so i've missed you know i miss green city i miss i missed a ton of stuff but whatever that that's life and i don't have so much oh. like i think it's great that i can i miss my friends but you know i see them at wake fest and maybe when we go to that stage to to do the whole dish show thing and, and meet different accounts and then I'll see my friends then. But at a festival, you can't really like, like, yeah, you can hang out with your friends, but it's usually in the whole setting of, oh, we're drinking and we're just, you know, we're pouring our beer and no, I want to have a nice meal. Right. You know, spend quality like time. Bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quality time. Super important. That's one of my love languages. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I need, I need you to teach me a workshop in no FOMO because I am, I'm bad. I'm bad, but I, I really am like internalizing that point. In an interview I listened to from you, you mentioned kind of the transition from being, doing all the brewing, brewing. And, you know, you just said that you are no longer the head brewer, kind of that transition from like manual labor being on your feet all the time to sitting behind a computer. What has that been like? I gained like 40 pounds. Sure, sure. Um, it's been a different kind of challenge and a yeah. different kind of stress. Um, but I embrace every single facet of what I've done here. 
Um, and I know, like, I did a lot of work. Do I know that I can still do it? Yeah, absolutely. Do I know that I can still go to the cellar, kick off a beer, or transfer a beer? Yes, I can do all those things. I don't need to prove that to myself or anybody else. But you know, being on a computer the whole time, so that's why I kind of like, I won't always be sitting on the computer. I like to make phone calls. I'll call people and I'll find out, you know, what's this show I can do. Um, you know, I have to find out if we're getting this grain or whatever, you know, because part of the operations is ordering grain, ordering hops, managing all that stuff. Um, luckily, I have a very good support system in my production. Um, Taylor is integral in my sanity um, because he is on top of, you know, hey, we need cans, hey, we need lids, hey, we need labels, you know, all these mm -hmm. different things. Right. Um, do I miss kind of just having that aspect of brewing and not having to worry about more things as I've, as I've been here longer? Yes, I yeah. kind of miss it. But at the same time, this is just, this is where I'm needed. This is what I need to do now. And, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I think it takes... I don't know, strength to, and confidence to say like, this is where I was and I was really great at that, but I'm going to find a new challenge and like something yeah. else, yeah. some other way I can contribute. Do you have any, speaking of like your future, what are your, do you have any like big goals on the horizon right now in your, even in your work life or in your personal life? Well, my end game is to open up a little big shop. Um, and serve a very like limited breakfast menu and a very limited uh, lunch menu. Uh -huh. um, right now, there are certain like I do a lot of short term goals because I find that they're more attainable. Um, I love having a visualization board and I love speaking things like out loud and into existence because it's happened before um you know my first kitchen job was at a hotel here that's called the Biltmore and the Biltmore is super iconic like I can't tell you how iconic um opened in the 20s it was where um the guy that played uh Tarzan in the show he was a lifeguard at that pool uh, during World War II, they closed it down and they became a hospital for wounded uh, veterans. Um, the pool was used then to store dead bodies. Um, there are haunted aspects of this place. Like, if you come to Miami, I'm taking you there because you have to. Like, okay. I love a haunting. Okay, awesome. Um, so, and I used to, like, in school growing up, they would take us on field trips there. So I remember the day we had like this career fair and it was my first year in pastry school. And I was like, I don't want to work anywhere else if it's not the book. Like, I don't give a shit about any other place. I don't care who you are, whatever. Yeah. Um, there were three sets of double doors that were all spaced out that you could walk through. Mm -hmm. I chose the one that not everyone was walking through on the first table was the book. So that to me, another like, when I wanted to work at the fountain, same thing. I just, I believed it so much that I was going to work there. It happened. Same thing with this place. You know, you just have to put it out there. 
put it out into the world, put it out into the universe. The universe will conspire with you to get what you want, especially when you're doing it. I mean, you have such, even through this Zoom screen, like you have such a powerful presence and I'm not like, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass. Just even hearing you talk about all these times where if I were in that position, I would be like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And of course, like you're a human, I'm sure you had self-doubt, but in your retelling of it, like what I'm receiving is confidence and like knowing your own worth and knowing your own power. Austin's gonna believe in me, it's not you. There was no one behind me going, oh my God, I know you can do I know you can do it. No, I just put my mind to it. And I wanted to learn so bad that it got to take over that right now. But you have to believe in you. No one else is gonna do that for you. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like a domino effect. When people see, I'm not perfect, I'm five ten. I'm a big girl, you know. I got picked on when I was growing up. So I was just like, hey dude, I'm not the prettiest, but there's a ton of different things that I have going for me. You know, I'm smart, I'm sassy as shit, I'm witty, you know what I mean? It's just a matter of using your strengths and and just taking all of those things and applying them. And not to mention, I always tell people this, the people that you have working around you, pick one good thing about them Mm. and apply that to yourself. If it's something that you're lacking, try to take that one good quality from that person that you see with their work ethic or whatever it is that they do at their job. If that person washes glassware better than you, mimic what they're doing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. But if you take the people around you and you use it to your benefit, you're going to be with Damn. Not only is that a brilliant way to like get better yourself, but it's a brilliant way to inspire admiration in your coworkers or of your coworkers rather. Cause I know we've all been like, whether you're on a line or on the brew deck or behind the bar, like there are days when you're like, if this person does not get out of my fucking face, yeah, fucking the shit out of them. yes. But if you, to take, I like, I'm internalizing this, like to take a moment and be like, you know what they do stock glassware very neatly. Let me steal that skill and Why not? get better. That's only going to make you better. Only going to make you more invaluable to that business or to yourself because you know what if you don't like where you're working peace out homie like right. i'm gonna take my talents elsewhere you're not stuck. you're never stuck you're never you stuck stick yourself i'm writing that down into like a, a self help you know it often does but i'll tell you like i'm i'm here for it and i would come to your like tony robbins s thing so, you know, maybe after the bakery slash like breakfast spot. I'll do talks at the bakery. I probably want to put like little like notes that you can grab as your thing. That just like a little manifesto for the day, you know? Yeah, I I'm on board and like ready, ready to visit the bakery. Do we have a, do you have a name in your head? No, I don't. That's okay. the only thing. That's the one thing that I'm just thinking about. It's hard. It'll come organically. We don't have to force yeah. it. But yeah. whenever it is and what whatever it's called, I'm gonna be there. Um, I want to respect your time because you have to jump. But I do want to wrap up with some silly questions I always ask. Thank you for being here. This is very low stakes. Okay, what is the most overrated beer style? Um, 
you know what? I don't think anything is overrated. I think people make certain things to be what they're not. Hmm. And they make fear too serious sometimes. And I'll give you an example really quick. When John and Jay came up with like Bake, Kujiro, which is one of our most sought after beers. I don't know about now because again, the beer scene has changed so much. It wasn't, they weren't looking to make it this, this secondary bottle that sells for $3,000. They just wanted to do something like super cool that you can enjoy with your friends. Because when you have a nice bottle of beer, or you have a nice bottle of wine, and you have a nice meal, you know what a shit out of your people and you afford it to then resell it? No. So if things are overrated, it's because people make it that way, not because mm. they are actually. Hard seltzers are overrated. Agreed. And that's the most profound answer to that question I've ever had. And I love it. Um, okay, this is... This is going to hit differently, I think, than any other guest as a trained pastry chef. Cake or pie? Um, <laughs> um, okay. It depends on the occasion, right? I'm so torn about this because I've lately, on Sundays, it's like my decompressed day. It's my only day, like true full day off, right? Um, so I've been making what's called a galette, which is like a rustic pie, right? It, it doesn't, it's not in a, in a pan or anything. Um, so I make the dough and then I get whatever fruit is in season. So I, lately I've been doing stone fruit. And let me tell you, that shit is so good. But I love myself a good piece of paper. When you have the talent to make a, a casual like peach galette in your kitchen, you don't have to choose. You can you can have cake or and pie. You can she can do it all. Get a girl who can do it all. Yeah. Cake, galette, whatever you want. What do your friends come to you for? They come to me for food, whatever, whether it's like a recommendation or how to cook something, which I only know how to cook like very comforting stuff. But even then I call my husband and I ask him questions about certain things. Um, but my friends come to me for food. They come to me. I can listen without giving my super mommy advice. Um, but they also do come to me for advice because I like I'm always gonna build you up. I'm always gonna support you, but I'm also gonna check your ass for everything. I get that sense. And that's honestly invaluable in a friend because yeah. you don't if you need needed someone to just tell you you are perfect all the time. That's a true friend though. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm your number one fan, but I'm also gonna check your ass. Right. Period. To glass or not to glass? when you're drinking a beer again depends if i'm depends. on the beach if i'm on the beach i'm drinking shit out of the can but yeah i mean a nice clean glass is always is always good we love a clean glass yes i didn't ask you before i skipped it what's the most i don't know if it applies what's the most underrated beer style well i mean there's this resurgence of lagers mm-hmm. but i've always i've always loved a good clean beer um I think half of ices are kind of underrated, but uh, I think it's the gateway beer though. Over mm. lagers, I think half of ices are more of a gateway. I agree with you. They're not, they don't get the hype they deserve. And they, that was my gateway beer too. What was the last show you binged and loved? If you even have time to watch TV. <laughs> 
I do. It's it's probably my guilty pleasure. Um, so the last show I binged was the 2007 version of Gossip Girl, which is the original Gossip Girl. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I love myself some Chuck Bass at Westwick, um, especially in that role. And I love, um, what is her name? Blair Waldorf? What's her real name? Oh, yeah. Uh, Leighton Meester. Meester. But prior to that, uh, it was the first part of Stranger Things. So I'm all over the place. I love myself like scary, gory, all that stuff. Can, you contain multitudes. You can be mm-hmm. scary and gory and also like have a headband on the Upper East Side. Yes. It can, it can be both. On the steps of the men. It, literally, that was the image that was in my head. So I'm glad that you like picked up on it. What is your desert island beer? You know, I will say I had Corona. I had a Corona for the first time, like earlier this year. I had never had Corona. Mind you, Miami is the number one Corona sales whatever. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Um, Desert beer would probably be, oh, we did a, a Japanese rice lager called Sakura. Uh, so cherry blossom. I also love cherry blossoms. Um, that sounds so good if you could get on a plane right now and go anywhere where would you go i'm going to france <gasps> you are going to france that is no, happening no, no. I, oh no. oh i was gonna I'm, this is me manifesting you see i keep talking about this trip to france we're starting in paris we're gonna have a wonderful time going to little bistros and we're gonna eat the best mussels and whatever drink the best wine and then we're gonna go to bordeaux and burgundy and then we're gonna go to france which is a champagne country um and then we'll go to the south of france and we'll hang out in, in nice and Antibes, and we'll have the best time that's what i'm doing i mean it's manifesting it's done it's on it's the vision happening. board yeah. i I believe it. I'm. I saw the picture that you just painted. Yeah. I saw the whole yeah. wardrobe. I'm ready. Not. I'm not invited, but I'm excited for you. <laughs> well, I. You gotta go. But Maria, I'm. This just felt like a crash course in like confidence, manifestation, and being fucking unstoppable. So thank you for being here and taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Will you take us out with? A to- any type of toast, your favorite toast, whatever comes to the top of your head to put a beautiful bow on this conversation. Anyone is out there. It doesn't matter what you are, how you identify. No one puts any sort of, of uh, limitations on you but yourself. So always believe in yourself and then the rest will, will happen. And to that, we say santé. Cheers. Santé. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Okay, I think we all need to start manifesting trips to France immediately, if not sooner. Okay, Y'all, I am not kidding. Maria is such a force. Her fierce belief in herself is something I will certainly strive to emulate going forward. And speaking of, can we talk about the hot tip she shared to pick out one thing each of your teammates does well and to try to mimic that quality? Absolutely brilliant advice that I will be using in my day-to-day. I am so grateful to Maria for how openly she shared about the pressures of balancing motherhood with the beer industry obligations and for the reminder that as passionate as we all may be about this business, we can't make it our whole lives. Go find some joy in something else. I know I am doing my best at that too. 
She squeezed me in in the middle of her Monday last week, and I am so, so glad that she did. As I mentioned up top, I want to thank you all for your patience with me in getting this episode out, and thanks for bearing with me with the audio issues. I promise that next week will be better, okay? Thank you, as always, to Megan Bagala for our groovy music and to Sabrina Rain at the Hoppia Shop for our graphic. I will be back in two weeks with another fantastic, uplifting, inspiring, and possibly a little bit silly conversation. In the meantime, I will see you at Bruise with Broads on Instagram and TikTok. Love you so much. Bye.